Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful in oil country and around the world. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Good. Good. Kind of That kind of game reminds you of why you're a hockey fan, eh? Yeah. That was a, a spectacular, glorious comeback victory for the Edmonton Oilers. Just a really fierce and nasty game against the team I was really hoping the Oilers would beat because there was just so many cheap shots from Montreal. You know, that cheap shot of Philip Deneau on McDavid. After that, I just I just started to hate the Habs, Bruce, after that moment. And I just I just wanted them to get crushed in this game because I just Deneau's play there just, to me, typified kind of a chippy attitude of that team, which I, which I actually somewhat admire. But I also it also makes me loathe them because because of plays like that and it's goofy face like why are you calling a penalty on me like he was almost saying to the ref like get lost buddy that was just such a cheap play on McDavid it was potentially dangerous that was the same guy who slew footed Drysaddle in Montreal their last game and got away with it that was just brutal or yeah. pulled him, stuck his leg out and then pulled him down over his over yeah. his outstretched leg and somehow. That was not called. Anyway, so uh, I'm not loving uh, Philip Deneau right now. He's a good hockey player, but I wouldn't have been too disappointed if someone had run him. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was a game where lots of players were run. There was was a lot of running going on. Lots of hard hits. That was was like a playoff game. It reminded me very much eh? of a playoff game, yeah. Yeah, they say uh, hockey is not for cowards, Bruce, and that game proved it that was that was a very very tough game like anyone on the ice tonight has my respect because it was hard to keep your uh your body intact through that game bruce big boilers win so we'll go with uh this is our two good things two bad things and two numbers podcast and we'll go with two good things each what do you want to start it off with as your good thing Right. Well, I'm going to credit, uh, I want to credit Ethan Bear for having a wonderful game tonight. I really loved his game tonight. Uh, just won a ton of battles, totally engaged in the game. Uh, and uh, a big, huge, gigantic part of the turno- uh, turnaround in the game that saw the Oilers trailing one nothing with 10 minutes to go in the third period before erupting for four down the stretch uh, to win it 4-1. Uh, and Bear could not have picked a better time in the entire calendar that's this season to score his first of the season than when he did, when he finally broke through the, the the brick wall that Jake Allen had built in front of the Montreal cage as the artists continued to pour on the pressure. And he himself had made a, made a uh, dangerous shot that had just deflected past just before that, and then... Uh, uh, Pugliarvi won the puck back to McDavid in the corner and McDavid passed it out to Bear and he roofed it and he celebrated and he deserved to celebrate. I love that. That was great. And you could just see the whole team lift at that moment and it was uh, downhill from there. I mean, for, you know, down, skating with the wind the rest of the way, the orders were just swarming them and they just kept on swarming them and eventually they... Uh, they broke through, and again, it was Ethan Bear making a crucial stop in the neutral zone that led to the game-winning goal scored by Connor McDavid with just under five minutes to play, and that was uh, Bear stepping up in the neutral zone to disrupt the rush. Uh, Pugliarvi 
banging down uh, Tatar, who thought he was going to take over the puck, and then McDavid jumping on it and doing the rest. Uh, but again, Bear, and I, I don't know how many battles he won, David, but he was uh, good at even strength. He was good on the on the penalty kill. Uh, and as the game went along, he assumed the first pairing role alongside of Darnell Nurse. That I'll talk a little bit more in the numbers section of the, the podcast. But it was Bear and Nurse in the third period when the Oilers convincingly turned the game in their favor. Indeed, Bruce. I just uh, this was a game that Bear and Jones had to have because you know the reputation they've been starting to develop is that in a heavy hockey game against a big tough team that's fast that can forecheck, they they've been getting caved, and that was certainly the case the last time they played the Canadians. Yep. But bo- I, both of them, uh, and as the game went on, they got stronger. But both of them stood up to the test in Montreal tonight. Jones took an absolutely maybe an unintentional uh, interference hit. By Paul Byron. I hope it was unintentional. If it wasn't, that would be an awfully dirty play. But yeah. I think it was. Uh, but it, he got a he got hit really hard there on this kind of cross ice play. In the head, eh? I, I think so. And um, he stayed in the game. And but they both played very well. Jones didn't play very much, just twelve minutes. But he got, I thought, also stronger as the game went on. So good for both of those players having that you know this was the ethan bear that we saw regularly last year and we've seen in flashes this year he's been very inconsistent this year up and down hasn't he he's just um he he was weak then he came on strong and then he had another bad patch and now this was a good game so uh the others just really need ethan bear to uh to be that player and and no surprise again to see him paired with darnell nurse as the game went on um i think we're going to see that pairing more and more uh, as the year goes on, I think we would have seen it before this if Bear had been more consistent. But if he can kind of bring that game, Bruce, um, he he will be on the top pairing by the time the playoffs come around again. Yeah, well, for a couple of reasons. But tonight, when Bear was on the ice, the Oilers outshot the Canadians at five on five by sixteen shots to three, and outscored him two nothing. He actually wound up plus three because he also got credited on the empty knuckle. And so he he had a, a very big game with all of the all of the uh, um, shot mer- metrics and and numbers uh, across the board showing shining in his favor. Yeah, he was like sixteen to three on shots, was it? Yeah, sixteen to three. So, <laughs> yeah. Yes, um, Bruce. My good thing, my first good thing is the play of Josh Archibald. Hmm. Um, he, he, when the orders were, when he was on the ice at even strength, the orders outshot them 12 to one. And, you know, that's not always indicative of individual play, but he was involved in very, very many good plays. And by the end of the game, uh, partly due to the injury to Jujar Kara, he, he had been promoted to the McDavid line with Archibald. I can't say last year, I very much liked it when Archibald got promoted. I didn't think he hung in there very well, but he has turned a corner in his game, Bruce, and I don't know what it is, if it's confidence or just playing with a new level of intensity. I mean, he's always been this incredibly intense player who works very hard, but he just seems to be digging in so freaking hard right now, going after, going hard to the net. He went hard to the net on a on a couple chances, uh, scoring chances tonight. And um, he, was, he, he and Cassian were tied for the lead with uh, six hits each. So 
just he's he's playing very very effective hockey on the forecheck and and not so bad with the puck anymore not throwing it away like a hand grenade so maybe this is a confidence thing just someone who, who feels he has his hockey home here was respected by his teammates and his coach and his and his um and is and is rewarding them for that faith with um some really strong play so uh he's my first he's my first good thing he is a hard hard man is Josh Archibald man he's like what 510 and 180 or something like that and he just does not quit I call him the torpedo just because of his general style of play uh, which in some ways although he's a better hockey player but in some ways it reminds me of the old number 15 on the right wing with the Oilers of uh, early 1980s Kurt Brackenberry who was also a torpedo <laughs> he would just race around and run guys left and right uh, I mean, I'm telling you, David, that one play tonight where Archibald drove to the net, he got the pass from McDavid and he broke around Petrie and Petrie punched him in the ear hole. Watch the replay and just, just concentrate on Petrie's right fist and uh, Archibald's right ear, which is where the, where the punch lands. And that knocks him down and he still dives out full length and he chips the puck in on... on uh, on uh, Allen, who makes a really nice save under pressure, and then he goes sliding into the crease, and then and then Allen comes down and tries to take a piece out of him after he's already taken a hard shot in the ear, and and he got up and he kind of was you know doing the Cordy Howe thing for a minute there, and then he uh, uh, but he kept kept on in there, and he uh, uh, he is a competitor, and I think that's uh, that's you know. Uh, that's a compliment. Yeah, he gives it what he's got. To win in the playoffs, Bruce, you mm-hmm. need that player. You yep. need these players, this kind of yep. player. And for the winners, they need. It's going to have to be him and Jujar Kara and players like that. Cassian is another one. Mm-hmm. And Cassian had one of his had a much better he game. Man. He 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 came rolling down the tracks like the mind bender when he hit uh, Shea Weber there. Um. <laughs> He he had one of his better games, Cassian, and, and and they need that. And and what they need is, and if Archibald can elevate his play from the Brackenberry category to the Dave Lumley category, um, that'll be even better. And that's what we're starting to see is a little bit more um, offense in his in his hockey game. So, uh, yeah, that could be crucial for the Edmonton Oilers, and they they won't win in the playoffs if they don't get it. What's your second good thing, Bruce? Yeah, I'm gonna kind of name. Archibald's two line mates as this game worked out. The order started with Drysaddle and McDavid on the first line, but after Kara left very early in the first period, um, Coach Tippett had to rethink things, and maybe it was the beginning of the second then. He finally shook out the lines, uh, and he put uh, Drysaddle back with uh, uh, Cahoon and Yamamoto again, and he put... Um, uh, McDavid with Pugliarvi and Archibald on the first line. And McDavid and Pugliarvi are the two I'll single out as my second good thing. And the reason I've lumped them together is I originally had claimed them as my very bad thing uh, when on a second period play where Mike Smith made a fantastic stretch pass that beat the entire Montreal team to, to sent two Oilers in alone, two on zero <clears> on Jake Allen. And it was like the first time all game that an Oiler didn't have like five halves between him and the net. They finally were in alone. And somehow they completely butchered the play and they passed it back and forth. And then Pugliarvi's pass, which looked good to me, somehow fluttered over 
the, the end of McDavid's stick and the chance was lost. Two on O, not even a shot on net. And I just lost it on my TV at that moment. Worst of the whole season. I was I was really into this game, probably most of any game this season. And uh, that, and I was uh, just beside myself, swearing and just, anyway, it took a couple minutes to settle down after that. Anyway, those fellows clearly, um, uh, for, from the ashes of that disaster, they pulled out their A game, A plus games for the third period. And both guys were involved in all three of Edmonton's goals that were scored on Jake Allen with uh, uh, with McDavid going a goal, two assists, three points, plus three. Pugliarvi a goal, one assist, two points, plus three. And a big play on the one that he didn't get a point on. And it was a smart pass from, uh, from Pugliarvi to McDavid uh, behind the net to keep the pressure on after a great Oilers cycle had created all kinds of chaos in the Montreal end. And McDavid passed to Bear for the 1-1. And then on the game winner, by this time, it was only five minutes left. It's still 1-1. I mean, this was an 0-4-1 game by any description. It was uh, it was uh, tight and tense the whole way. But uh, Bear stood up um, uh, the Russian in the neutral zone, and Thomas Tatar jumped on the puck, and Pugliarvi just skated right into him and decked him, and he lost the puck, and, and McDavid jumped on it and from his own blue line, fled the rush, got a little bit of open ice, split the defense, Roofed one past uh, past Allen to put the orders ahead, and yet another game-winning goal by McDavid in like the last five minutes of the third period, which is like at least four of those that he's got this season now, out of breaking open a tie game and late in regulation, and he, uh, so I mean, obviously he was the star on that play, but Pulleyarvi was still central to it. That goal isn't scored without that without that puck getting shaken loose like that. And then a couple minutes later, with Montreal pressing, McDavid jumps on a loose puck uh, in uh, deep in Edmonton territory, and, and Pugliarvi breaks up the middle, gets hit with the perfect pass, and he goes in there and just rifles one right in the top corner and bulges the twine. It reminded me of the old Yari Curry breakaways, right? Bam, in the net. <laughs> no questions asked. And what a delight to see that one go in, because that's the moment where you know the game is won. And it was a hard game to win, and it was a great game for Edmonton Oilers to win. Like I think this is a, this is the kind of game that uh, that that builds teams and prepares them for the playoffs. Quite frankly. Yeah, let's see. Pulleyarvi. You know, oh, they don't have the. Okay, eleven goals now in forty-three games. I was gl- happy to see him get a couple, the like, two even strength points, Bruce. Because mm-hmm. when you look at his even strength scoring, it's kind of depressing, you know, for how much he plays with McDavid. Yep. But he does a lot of good work out there. So yep. it's it's nice to see the points coming because he has been involved in a lot of scoring chances. So mm-hmm. I think that that mistake, Bruce, um, they were McDavid wasn't the same player after the mistake. I think he was embarrassed by it. Yep, I do too. And it gave him a jolt of adrenaline. Just a, it's like when you screw up, suddenly you're wide yep. awake and you're and you're and you're good to go, ready to go. And he he just took over the game after that. There was a power play shortly after that, and he had like three different forays where he almost set up a goal. And just you know, he he kind of shifted in this game from playing a Bobby Clark kind of game early on. He had four hits in the first two periods. He was he was mad and he was hitting people, and I mm-hmm. liked that. So he was uh, to to the you know the full Guy Lafleur. 
where he was just and and on that goal, Bruce. The amazing thing, and if, I, if I'm not mistaken, he beat Joel Edmondson and Jeff Petrie on that yeah. rush. He right split through. between two absolutely stellar defensive defensemen right now. I mean, Joel Edmondson is a beast on defense, and, and yes, Petrie has been mentioned as a Norris Trophy candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that that was an amazing. He made them look like beer leaguers. Didn't I mean, look two, like one two, on that play. <laughs> two of the best, two of the best defensemen and and defensive defensemen in the league, and he just he he Sliced did that right through so, him, and then and he beat a red hot goalie. So yeah. it's a good move of his. He, as he's cutting, he's angling across, and the shooting angle is changing, and he waits, and then he then he just goes high short side. He scores quite a few like that, where he just uh, he holds that puck that extra half of beat, and then goes go quickly up over the pad and up uh, under the crossbar on, on the uh, uh, short side, stick side goal post, typically. He has never been better than this than this season. He is, his uh, offensive moves are just at a whole nother level of, of spectacular. Bruce, my uh, second good thing is the play of Darnell Nurse. I think he played at 26 minutes. He led the team with seven shots on net. Um, but the play that he, he was just so solid all night long. And, and um, you know, there was a little bit of trouble when, when he and Barry were on the ice, and we'll get to that in a minute. But it wasn't really his fault. But um, he, he, he again had that game screaming out, you know, true number one defenseman, one of the, you know, top 15, top 10 defensemen in the NHL this year. And it's hard for me to place where Nurse is because I don't see all these other defensemen, so I can't. I don't really have any idea where he ranks. But certainly in the Canadian division, Bruce, um, I don't know if there's been a, a better defenseman. He's he's in the running for for the North for the uh, King of the North on the blue line, and the play that 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 sealed it for me was that spectacular third period, Larry Robinson esque rush up the ice, Bruce. That was pure Robinson. Uh, anyone who remembers the, remembers that player, just this huge hulking man, steaming up the ice, defying anyone to get it, to stop him really, and firing on net, getting the getting the kind of rebounder deflected shot, and putting that hard on net, and and Archibald almost put in the rebound. It was a spectacular rush, kind of a almost like a a coming out rush of this guy's offensive ability, but all game long he was he was pushing the play on the attack forcing it like that and left me very very impressed yeah well here's uh it's not our numbers section but nurses are pretty <laughs> spectacular plus two uh no points but a plus two uh penalty and you know that that's this nurse has a record of of taking a lot of penalties that's the second minor penalty uh that wasn't coincidental that he's taken in the last 26 games and this is playing 25, 27, 28 minutes a night. And he's almost not taking any penalties at all. Part of it's the refs putting the whistles away as the year goes on, of course. Uh, 26-44 he played tonight. How did uh, you know that, Bruce? How did you know that penalty stat? Like, like... Uh, well, I saw it a few days ago, and I just called up his game log on oh, Hockey geez. Reference. That's an incre- that's incredible. Yeah, it is amazing for him. So and he didn't even I sort of grabbed that. my attention. No, was, he kind of clocked the guy. Well, with he, the stick, he, both he, he got his penalties. They yeah. should have both had. They should have. That should have been coincidental. Yeah. Yeah, he had in this game seven shots on net, ten shot attempts, two hits, three block shots, and he was just all over. 
everywhere uh, on the ice. And dominant. He and Bear were dominant in the third period. Darnell Nurse is plus 22 this year. And, you know, goals, yeah. mi- goals plus minus is not a great stat. But sometimes it it really, you know, the, the very best players do push, drive those numbers. And he's been driving it, hit that number this year uh, when he's on the ice. Bad things? We ready? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Uh, mine is uh, Tyson Berry, <clears throat> El Matador. Uh, tonight he uh, had several <laughs> fine displays of the Matador uh, defense. defense. Ole. Uh, uh, yeah, Ole. Yeah, I want to put Ole right in our uh, right in our scoring chats log at one point after he got burned for the third or fourth time with the old red flag and uh, red, red cape, cape front. Yeah. Uh, except he got gored here uh, tonight. Uh, I think we had him for five scoring chances against. Yeah. And it just wasn't working for him. And in this kind of intense game, maybe he got showed up a little bit that uh, uh, the Oilers were on the receiving end, badly outshot on his watch. Uh, and uh, the one uh, Montreal goal came on their watch, and he was part of the sequence of pain on the goal, which was a, a great... Uh, uh, punt, actually field goal by uh, Eric Stahl, who not only kicked the puck in the net, he got air under it, and he put it, you know, up over the pad of the goalie. Not very often you see a, a puck go off his skate and go up like that, but it's legal. I mean, when I say he kicked it in, what he did was he turned his redirected skate it, yeah. and he re- definitely redirected it, and he even got under it and got air under it. That's how they, the only way they beat Mike Smith tonight was uh, on that play, but that was after a uh, uh, lost battle, as we called it, for uh, Tyson Berry on that. And by the third period, he was uh, uh, not playing a lot. And when he did play, it was with Chris Russell and nowhere near the top pairing as the uh, uh, Oilers decided to, to rejig that uh, uh, the pairings in the third period. And, and that was a, a critical good decision that was made that helped turn this game around because Barry wasn't... Uh, wasn't getting the job done and he was uh, you know more bad things than good were happening on his watch by uh, not a, not even a close margin yeah three of those mistakes the first three I think were very similar plays where he kind of tried to pinch or force the play up ice and it led to odd man breaks some of them worse than others but all of them leading to grade a chances against and it's and it's like um you know if Caleb Jones or Evan Bouchard make that play, they'd be seeing the press box um, for that kind of mistake. Barry makes them regularly. He, he is a very fine passer of the puck and smart with the puck, solid offensive player. He's been doing a great job running the Oilers' power play. I think he's a cut above even Oscar Clefbaum, who did such a fine job last year. But, you know, Barry does have that added weapon of the slap shot. But he... He makes too many mistakes on defense, Bruce, for a 30-year-old veteran NHL defenseman. It's just, it just, it's, he, he can't, I don't think he can play in the playoffs on the top pairing. And and the, so the Oilers are going to need, unless he really stepped up, but the Oilers are going to need Ethan Bear to come back and play his A, a game if they're going to have some success in the playoffs this year. Because I'm not, as good as Barry is, like he's more of that third pairing um offensive specialists that you put out there on the power play and and in easy minutes more easy minutes at, at even strength that's his best use in the nhl so that's probably how he's going to be used in the future 
I'm guessing. My bad thing, Bruce, was that horrible hit on Jujar Kara, which was, uh, I thought, a legal hit. It's it was it was done by that Alexander Romanov, who's going to be a beast for the Canadians, I think, as he oh, gets more cool. experienced. He's a very very good hockey player, big, fast, tough, hard hitting, can move the puck, can shoot the puck. Too bad the Canadians traded away Mikhail Sergachev, or they might have a pairing, a first pairing there for, for uh, the next decade. Uh, I'm not really sad that oh. they traded away Sergachev because I'm not a Habs fan, although I was as a kid. Anyway, uh, yeah. But anyway, it was just terrible to see Kara almost out on his feet. And um, this is the second time, Bruce, there was the the fight that he got in. Now there's this. And it's a little bit worrisome. And yeah, I hope he's oh okay. Yeah. I just, I really hope he's okay. It's worrisome for Jirjir Kara. It's it's a tough position for the Oilers. It's the one position where they don't have, they re- other than goal, uh, you know, they just don't have depth there at center. Um I don't think, um, in terms of a third and fourth line players, I don't, you know, Devin Shore and Gaetan Haas, could they get it done in the playoffs? I'd really like to see Jujar Kara because I think he could, he, he'll he be powerful. And I, I hope he's just fine. I hope that was a precautionary move, but that was a scary moment. And he I, was, and he I, was out. Yeah. He was out. I mean, he, he, he tried to get off the boards. He leaned on his stick so hard, the stick nearly broke. And then he tried to stagger across the ice, and he took a real bad step. And Bear saw it and skated over and grabbed him. And the ref saw it. To his credit, he blew the whistle right away, saying, "This is not the kind." Even though the other team had the puck, this is the one where you got to blow it and and get this guy help. And even the refs came over and kind of grabbed him as well, just to keep him on his feet because he was he was uh, KTFO'd, as the kids say. He was he was out on his feet, and it was a, a wicked dart. I don't know what hit him. Something got him in the face. I don't know if it was arm, it was a shoulder cap, or what. I mean, he hit him body first. It wasn't like a direct blow to the head, but boy, he got gone. Are, are you um, not sure it wasn't just a snapback? Because and I also hear like concussions can like on the whiplash. The con- that's what can cause the concussion. So um, the and end I don't zone know replay looked, looked, looked like contact. And I wasn't yeah. sure if it was his arm or just the follow through, but he hit a, he hit his shoulder first, and he just then just stopped him in his tracks. Like Kara went from going fairly fast to dead, standing still. He got hit so hard, he just got rocked. And the concern is, you know, after he missed time already with the, you know concussion protocol a month ago, well, that's a pretty short time. That uh, it's not not uh, it was not fun to see that that kind of thing at any time, but uh, especially not with a guy that's just bounced back from something like that in relatively recent terms. Like that's uh, it's a worry. It's a and you know it was it makes it all the better that they called up Ryan McLeod from the minors yeah. who can play center and and um, you know might be slotted in to play third line center next year on the team. Um, but Sooner, he may, he uh, may I mean, Jujar nice. might be out for. I, I'd be surprised so, if they Bruce. cleared him to play anytime soon. Frankly, after I, that, yeah, they'd be wise to give him a little bit of time here. So maybe that's the opportunity that Ryan McLeod needs. And uh, uh, we're at the point now, David, where of course we're still juggling for playoff positions, and we still want to win games. Boy, I ever badly want to win that game. But Calgary lost again tonight. And out. Vancouver is, you know, Vancouver is uh, uh, clearly on the ropes. I can't see any way Vancouver becomes relevant to the playoff conversation with all respect for their win last night. 
and so they're in. The orders are in. So they can afford to try things. Uh, they only allowed four moves. They already used one of them with uh, with uh, uh, Joachim Negard, who was he had another I thought solid game tonight. Negard. Yeah. And they haven't yet committed to a move on Ryan McLeod because they called him up to the taxi squad, not to the Oilers. But once he's up here for a while and, and uh, clears quarantine and so on, I entirely expect they'll use one of their remaining three moves to activate him. Otherwise, why would they have bothered to bring him up if they were just going to put him on yeah. the taxi squad? So I think he'll be playing games. Oh, he'll Good be playing on him. Games. Man, I watched him play parts of three games last week and he looked great. Really good. You know what he'll add, Bruce, is he's you know he's not a particularly physical player, but he he is huge. Like he's big out there on the ice. I don't know. It looks like he's grown to me since um, his draft year. He, he when I see him out on the ice, I think for a second I always think, who is that? Like who is that huge guy? Because he's he's big out there, and and the owners could use big and fast right now. You know they have Cahoon, Yamamoto, Haas, and Negart in tonight's game, for instance, and Archibald. Who plays pretty big, but they're they're not that physically big at forward, so that that might help them a little bit too. Bruce, right now on the um, on, in the standings, since you brought that up, um, so Edmonton's winning percentage is six thirty six, which is pretty darn good. And uh, so Toronto, Toronto um, has a six seventy eight. I'll just give the points. Toronto has sixty one points. Winnipeg has fifty seven. Edmonton fifty six, and Montreal forty seven. Calgary is too bad they lost tonight because they are they're six points behind Montreal. Montreal has two games in hand. If Montreal, if Calgary had won, they would have only been the uh, four points behind Montreal, which is enough maybe to give you hope. But you can't lose games, especially when you just can't lose games. They got to go on a big winning streak, and it's unlikely to happen. But Edmonton is definitely in the playoffs. I agree, and should should be trying stuff out. They've lost six games to Ottawa Senators, David. <laughs> a team that Oilers or- <clears throat> beat in regulation nine games in a row. Calgary's lost to them six times out of eight games. I mean, tonight with Oilers doing Calgary a favor and beating the Habs, they had to take care of business, and they couldn't get it done. They couldn't. They lost at home 4-2 to the Senators. Montreal only has three more wins than the Senators this year, Bruce. <laughs> You know, I would, speaking of all the rough play tonight, there was one moment you, you mentioned, like how this kind of game can be big for a team and bring them together, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously, definitely true. And one of the moments that that had me thinking that was after Jones got rocked, Leon Dreisaitl came to his aid and and went after Byron, and I just thought, you know, when Leon Dreisaitl is doing that, that's a huge moment for the team. You know, he, I've seen him do it in the past. But when you get Leon Dreisaitl into beast mode, into playoff mode, that's when you have a chance. That's when you have a chance to win playoff series when he's playing like that because he can be an unstoppable force in physical games. So that was a good augering. Uh, Let's go to our numbers. What's your number, Bruce? Okay, well, I I have numbers, uh, but they, they all relate to the same thing and they actually relate to my good thing and my bad thing and your good thing. Uh, Ethan Bear and Tyson Berry uh, as partners for Darnell Nurse tonight. So this is from Nurse's perspective because he played with both guys. He played uh, 11 and a half minutes with Barry, nine and a half with Bear, and with Barry, shot attempts were seven to 15. Uh, shots on goal were three to seven. Goals were zero to one. 
expected goals were were uh, 17% of the expected goals would have gone Oilers' way based on flow of play, with scoring chances by natural statics me- measure two, four, eight against. That's Nurse and Barry. This is yeah. Nurse and Bear. Nine and a half minutes. 17 shot attempts to six. 12 shots to two. Nine and a half minutes. Two goals to zero. Uh, expected goals of 90% and scoring chances of 12 to 1 with Nurse and Bear on the ice versus Nurse and Barry. You have to be careful to <laughs> how you pronounce the names right because they're so similar. But boy, those pairings were poles apart tonight. And as soon as Bear and, and Nurse got put together, the game turned. It wasn't just, you know, it was it was a major decision that, was the turning point of this game because Nurse went into beast mode after that. Up until then, he'd spent a lot of time trying to clean up after Barry, and uh, Bear was making things happen. Nurse was making things happen. They were passing the puck to each other. They, you know, they were stopping every wave of attacks coming their way, and they were outstanding. And it was just night and day uh, for Darnell Nurse tonight between his two defense partners and. That whole array of numbers that I gave you and, and more all support that uh, the nurse-bear pairing was off the charts good. Wonderful. See you at next game. My number yes. is... is uh, I'll go yeah, my, yes. my number is related to that. The owners outchanced Montreal in, in that glorious third period comeback, 13 to nothing. 13 grade-A chances for Edmonton and, and zero. And, and the Habs had... They'd been getting the best of Edmonton this year on scoring chances, generally speaking. So this was a major turnaround for the Oilers. And, uh, you know, this this you know, we were having a debate last week, Bruce, about mm-hmm. what was wrong with the Oilers. I'd been pointing out how badly they've been getting outchanced in the last dozen games. And, um, you know, pointing out this or that problem maybe with the lines. And you, you know, you raised the point that you thought it was like a very tough run of the schedule, you know, and I think that, uh, you, you know, your argument is bolstered by that, by the play in the last two games where they outchanced Winnipeg nine to three and now Montreal um, 16 to six, because it's the same lines essentially, but the results are different after the team's been rested and yep. it has a chance to play at home and get it together. So so maybe that's that's maybe that was the issue. We'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna still suggest it's a bit of both, and and we'll see how this plays out. Of course, tonight when they when they got the 13 to nothing run, McDavid and Drysaddle weren't on the same line. They they had in fact mixed up the lines. So mm-hmm. so there you go. But I, I do think that there that the point you were making was you know definitely valid and and well well made. Yeah, well it's been it's been a rugged run for sure, and you know they've they've. Since the schedule went off the chart, off the tracks there back on uh, March 20th, when they when the Montreal when they pulled the plug on the first game in the Montreal series, uh, March 22nd, I guess it was, and they canceled those three games, and then it's just been haywire ever since. They've, so they played 10 games since then, and the tonight was only the second one that was at home, and now they've gone six two and two in those 10 games, but really the, <clears throat> they were. They were doing it with bailing wire and duct tape, you know, and Dave Tippett game plan and Mike Smith and that and I know and they they were they were pulling games out. Uh, uh, I think now with the rest they they look better and tonight the the intensity level got ramped way up. Like this is the highest that I've seen the Oilers um, 
amped up for a game in a long time. And after that embarrassing mistake, and McDavid started to take over late in the second period, and he nearly went through the team two or three times. And uh, I said to my wife at second intermission, it's going to be a long third period for Montreal because it's their third and four nights. And Edmonton looks like they're starting <laughs> starting to uh, starting to get riled up. And uh, but I wouldn't have guessed 13 to nothing, and I wouldn't have guessed four goals in the last 10 minutes. But uh, uh, they, the orders did take over. And, you know, their worst period of the whole season was 13 to zero against, also versus Montreal, in uh, that one game where they had the extra game at the end of the road trip. Remember how bad they came out in the first period yeah. of that game? And they fell behind like 18 seconds into the first period, and it was just a, it was just a shellacking. And this was that, but in the third period of a game where Montreal was trying to protect the lead and they just couldn't get it done. You, you take a big bucket of hate and you add in a jolt of adrenaline as a catalyst, or a jolt of embarrassment as mm-hmm. a catalyst, and boom, good mm-hmm. things happen for the uh, good things happen for your team. I was just thinking, Bruce. The only thing that could go, you know, wrong for the Oilers now is if they if they had COVID a COVID outbreak like the the Canucks. And Same. then the, then the related thought is, I just I wish Kenny had lowered the COVID thing to thirty nine, so then Mike Smith at least could get his shot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just missed the cutoff. Anyway, they they've gotten through this so far fairly well. So fingers crossed on that on that count. Alrighty, well, uh, they play Wednesday. Against the Habs. They finally broken through. Ooh, seven, go- seven goals in five and two-thirds games they had. And then they finally solved them in the third period tonight. It was, man, this game, it just tasted and smelled like a one nothing loss, especially after that, the way the goal went in. And it just was getting so frustrating at one nothing. And that, Are we ever going to score on these guys ever again? And I hear you. <laughs> And finally, so I wonder what happened to Carey Price. I hope he's okay. You know, he got a fine hockey player. He, he got a, sh- a little bit of a shot in the noggin from Alex Chase on who skated through the crease on uh, on a goal that was disallowed in the first period that we didn't talk about. By Rightly David, disallowed, but they got the right call. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And uh, there was one that was allowed like that not that long ago against the Habs. Where the goalie's gloves were outside of the blue paint, and they and that's what got hit, so they let it go. But in this case, Price was completely within the cylinder of the of the crease, and and Chason, like he was doing the right thing, but he missed his mark by about what six inches. Yeah. And he, you know, he he rotated and he tried to make a screen, and he just got too close, and he and he did make contact, and that's why the puck went in. So it is why uh, it went they, in. They, yeah. they got the they got the call right. But then later in the dying seconds of the first on Oilers power play, McDavid passed to Drysdale and he unleashed a rocket that caught Price right up under the collarbone or just under the mask or maybe in the mask. And they showed Price going to the bench and he was kind of shaking his head a little bit and I looked a little bit groggy. It was like, I think literally just the last few seconds of the first period when the, when the shot hit him and then he never came back even to the bench. So he must have got his bell rung. On one of those two plays, and I'm guessing the shot, because he didn't seem to be in physical distress after the after the first one. Alrighty, Bruce. Well, let's uh, let's leave it there. The game grades are up, but I people like to hear this podcast on the night that we, you know, uh, mm-hmm. right after the game as quickly as we can. So I'll I'll post it as uh, right away now. Thanks yep. for talking tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone.
And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.